Welcome to The Journey, a podcast series by Christ Life Ministries, focused on renewing, restoring, and equipping leaders. Hey, good morning. Great to be back with you. Boy, we've got winter turning into spring here in Grand Rapids. It's just awesome. Pulling into my driveway last night, seeing my son actually with the garage door open, skateboard. (laughs) I mean, we transitioned from winter to spring pretty quickly around here and it just reminds me of how God's in control of all seasons isn't he whether it's a difficult season or whether it's or one that seems to be pretty light one that's going easy and God I'm just really aware in this moment that there is going to be just such a cacophony just such a huge uh, difference between where many of these people who are listening to this podcast find themselves today. It might be a season of sorrow or brokenness. It might be a season of great breakthrough and joy, but nonetheless, you're the same in every season. And I'm asking that you would just reveal yourself during this time that we have together. You're the only one that can change a life. You're the only one that can bring us from the Valley of Baca, the Valley of weeping, help us navigate through it and turn it into a place of springs. So we're looking to you and you alone. Thank you for all you are, Lord. You're just awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I'm so excited to be able to just hang out with you today. We're in the middle of true identity. We're in the middle of a process of self-discovery. Where we're figuring out why we've got anxiety, a sense of insecurity in our lives. Of course, the first week we started off with the concept of identity insecurity. Anytime we're attempting to find stability in things that by nature aren't stable, we're going to experience feelings of being goofed up. In fact, every time that we make the investment, we try to harvest a sense of value or stability from the things of life or performance or people's approval, we're just re-injuring ourselves. We're, we're hurting ourselves over and over and over again. We talked about the performance equation and how the performance equation doesn't play itself out in the way that it promises. That instead of performance plus approval equaling value, we often start with a crisis of value, which leads to bondage to approval and bondage to performance. We did the true identity experiential together. And then we talked about how true identity uh, works its way in naturally into our leadership, whether that's you leading your family, your children, or whether that means that you're leading something as you're doing whatever you do in the cubicle that you work in or, or the corner office that you find yourself in Monday through Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. <laughs> anyway, you look at it, if we're trying to provide a sense of value for ourselves, we're going to feel busted up and constantly in need. God's got a solution for that. And it's not just like this one plus one equals Jesus answer. It's not just read your Bible more and pray. God wants us to encounter him and he wants the reality of who we are to begin to become more and more and more of what drives our lives. He wants us to be living in light of who we are in Christ. In fact, we're going to talk about that in this episode today. Many of the leaders that I work with 
by the time we get to, to leadership and identity and security, they're, they're like, man, is there any good news in this? I mean, how do we make our way out of this doom loop that we regularly find ourselves in and, and into freedom? Well, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about that today. In fact, as God works with us and in us, he, he's allowing his grace to bring us to the place of understanding inability. If you're thinking about the independent life, the Sark's life, if you will, we're thinking about a life that, that cannot move towards the things of God. That we have to have God from beginning to end. So as we're transitioning from stuck to free in our identity, free to enjoy value that doesn't fluctuate, we've got to begin by going back to week two, that the currency of the kingdom, which is inability. We've got to admit our inability. In fact, maybe that's what you do right now. That's what we could do together, that we would bow our hearts and just confess our inability regarding uh, leaving or escaping identity insecurity and, and the commitment that we unknowingly had made to ourselves year after year, decade after decade of, of somehow figuring out how to be good enough. And Jesus, we just bring that to you, Lord. Uh, could it be that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would be willing to meet with us in this moment? And would you, would you allow a great sense of confidence to well up in our hearts regarding your call to follow Jesus? John 5, 19, to be able to, with Jesus, say, truly, uh, I can do nothing on my own. And truly, the only way, route of escape, Lord, is by you grabbing a hold of my hand and lifting me up out of my chaos, out of my insecurity, out of my instability, and setting the captive free. Lord, do that now. Freedom always begins with a cry for help. Admitting that we're unable. Admitting that God is the only one that can change patterns that have been ingrained in us for many years. And he's able to do it so quickly if we'd just be willing to humble ourselves and trust him. The route to freedom regarding identity begins with this first takeaway. And that is that true identity is gifted by God and not earned. That God would have us understand that that our identity and with it our core value is something that's gifted by him. He's the only one that really matters when all is said and done, when life is over. And we move from earth to the heavenly realms where we'll stand before Jesus face to face. <laughs> Many of the things that we think are significant are important today. Maybe it's the brake job that needs to be done on your minivan. <laughs> Maybe it's the, the remodel that's going on with your church building that's, that's lasting a little bit longer and costing a little bit more than it should. All of these things are going to be swept away in the, the magnificent, the, the great and mighty presence of Jesus. All the toiling that we've 
all the investment that we've made in building out our resumes, climbing the corporate ladder, will be seen for what it is. God hasn't uh, called us to not work hard. I mean, it's not his desire that we would sit on our hands and be slothful. He wants us to be at it, going after it. He just doesn't want us to be going after it in order to try to secure value for ourselves. He wants us to be active, proactive in life, being motivated by the fact that our value is finished and our identity has been gifted by him and him alone. We see that in places like Judges 6, 12 through 16. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to read it for you right now, though. It's the story of Gideon. Here's the passage. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said, Pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is an amazing passage. And I think Gideon represents how we feel often in life. With God's calling, his leading, his directing, and then us looking back at ourselves and saying, no way. I mean, look at what Gideon does. God shows up, and the backdrop for the story is that the Midianites are absolutely devastating Israel. Gideon is hiding out in a wine press. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Of course, the wine press is it's down, tucked in beneath the ground level. Might have some stone sides to it so he can maybe duck down and and do his work without being busted by the Midianites. (laughs) Shot in the back, maybe. And there in his fearing, in his anxiety, God shows up. Now, I believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. That Jesus speaks to him and calls him by a totally new identity. He calls this guy who's frightened and and anxious and just trying to eke out a living, mighty warrior. (laughs) It seems like the total opposite of what Gideon really was. And as you reflect back on the passage that I just read, you'll see that Gideon responds in many of the ways that we do. He looks back at at his history, his story, as a means for determining whether the designation of God is true, real, or should be accepted. And he says, mighty warrior, are you kidding me? I come from a fairly weak tribe. It's not the tribe of Judah, right? Come from Manasseh. And oh, by the way, 
I come from the weakest, the lowest family in the tribe. Man, that's a statement. And oh, by the way, (laughs) I'm the lowest man on the totem pole in this lowest family and this tribe that kind of doesn't measure up. You see, often as we're going through life, in fact, maybe the best way to say it would be the, the natural default for all of us is to try to navigate life through self-effort, right? So that our value is contingent on how well we're doing at work, whether we're being praised by our spouse, whether we're performing well as a father or a mother. And God is saying, man, oh man, this thing with you is really, really easy. The reason why you're feeling all of the instability in your life is you're basing your sense of value on something that is contrary to my will for you. He doesn't want us to be poor parents or or disconnected employees, uh, like slothful or, or, or unmotivated employees. He's just calling us from a core level, at a core level to not be using those things as a place of stability or or value collecting. You see, what are we supposed to glean? What are what's the first takeaway that we need to have in escaping identity and security and beginning to experience life in the way that God's designed it to be lived? It's that our identity is something that God's chosen and it's gifted. And that our value really is something that's as finished as the finished work of the cross. And that reward is directly related to us allowing him to live his life through us to accomplish the things that he's put on our list to get done. For Gideon, it was to deliver the nation of Israel. For me or for you, it might be something much smaller. It it might not be standing on a stage in front of a 1,000 people, 5,000 people, 15,000 people. It might be a a calling from God to be patient and love family members that are hard to be patient with and hard to love. So first and foremost, we have to call out to God in, in our inability, ask him to help us transition from a sense of identity and value that's based on performance to one that's gifted by God and gifted by him alone. Now, if this story was a one-off, it would be valuable, but it's even more valuable because we see that Gideon's experience is played out over and over and over again. I mean, consider Moses, for example. He lived out in the desert for 40 years as a goat roper. <laughs> I mean, really, living in total poverty when God showed up in a burning bush and unveiled his identity, his destiny. Think about David. Samuel the prophet was coming to town and told David's family that he was coming to have dinner with them. And David was so disregarded or so low on the totem pole that his whole family washed up and showed up and they left him out in the field with the sheep. 
Think about Paul in the New Testament. He was, as we learn, a Pharisee of Pharisees. As he's talking about reasons that he could be confident in the flesh, he was born in the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had, regarding legalistic righteousness, faultless. Think about that for a second. Regarding zeal persecuting the church. And yet when he encountered Jesus, he considered all of that resume building, all of that investment as nothing other than loss compared to the great benefit of knowing Jesus. Jesus turned his life around. Remember, he was on the road to Damascus, blinded by a bright light. Jesus spoke to him. And he was told that he he was going to be a man who would bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That he also, regarding identity, would be a man who would understand just how much someone must suffer for the gospel. You see, none of these men, none of the women in the Bible earned their identity or value. Their identity and value was gifted by God so no one could boast. Well, what does that mean for us? It means that we've got to reckon ourselves dead, Romans 6, to all attempts at finding significant self-worth and stability outside of Christ, which includes using our past, good or bad, as a means for determining our value. Using what we own as a means for determining our value. Using our present performance as a means for determining our value. Using people's approval as a means for determining our value. None of those things would have worked for Gideon, right? All of those things were a distraction from God's calling and his valuing in Gideon's life, and so it is for us. Was Gideon more valuable after God used him to set the nation of Israel free? Nope, his value was the same from God's perspective. His value didn't shift from God's perspective from when he was in the wine press hiding from the Midianites to the time where he had his foot on his enemy's neck. It's all God's doing. We can rest and celebrate and be grateful for how God uses us. But the reality is we are called to be a branch, any life, any good thing that God does is God at work in us. It's him who determines our value. It's him who determines our identity, and that sets us free. It really creates in us the ability to have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. So the first big takeaway that God wants to apply to our lives is that identity, true identity, is gifted and not earned. The second is this, that true identity sets us free from every need to perform. Is it you that needs to open the door? To shove your foot in every closing door? To make your own way? To be used by God the way that he wants you to be used? No, God is the one who opens the doors. Our job, like a branch, John 15, is to keep our gaze on the vine. We're not to be gazing at the fruit. We're to be gazing at the vine. That God has an intent, a purpose for your life and my life. And he'll empower us to accomplish his purposes and his timing to his glory. 
often when I'm in this segment of the journey with a leader, I'll bring that leader back to Genesis 1. And we'll walk through the creation story. And as you're walking through with a leader, the creation story, of course, the the pinnacle of the creation story is on day six, right? Where God creates man in his own image, the Imago Dei. And instead of just saying it's good, it's the only time in the creation story where he says this is good, good. Now, this is very good. And the question really needs to be asked if we're the pinnacle of all of God's creation, meaning that 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 we, Ephesians 2, are his poem, his masterpiece, his best creative work. What did we do to earn that high designation? Of course, it's nothing. We did nothing to earn that right. We were just born into it. From God's perspective, as he scans out over the hundred billion plus galaxies that are in the universe, his attention's drawn to earth and a people that are made in his image. That image bearing and the high designation that goes along with that is gifted by him. Well, what about the content of our lives? Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which were prepared in advance for us to do. That there's a race that's marked out for us to run. The question that I have is the same that we just applied to Genesis 1. What did I do to earn the opportunity to do great works for God? What part did I play in weaving together those works that that God stored away in ages past uh, with my name on them? What about the power to pull off these works? The power to image God, to be, to be engaged in the progressive recovery of the Imago Dei, the, the, the actual unfolding of imaging God correctly in our lives. Where's that power come from? Ephesians 2 tells us that, that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God at work in us to will and to act according to his good purposes. So my identity, <laughs> my identity as an image bearer, the works that God's created for me to do and even the power to pull them off is all from God. Do you get it? The more we live into true identity, the more we're set free from every need to perform. Again, is it your job? Is it your responsibility to open the doors that need to be opened for you to be used in the way that God's designed you to be used? The days of having it all on me are done. It's all on him. And the moment that I begin to pick it up and with it, disruptive emotion is the moment that I need to bow back down again and say, it's all you, Lord. That doesn't mean that we don't strategize and vision set and plan and and set goals. No, but we need to be submitting those things before the Lord and asking him actually before we even start planning, what is it that you want me to be about? Show me your way, Lord. 
in that direction, that insight comes directly as a result of Romans 12, walking away from living according to the pattern of this world so that we can test and approve what his will is. It comes from abiding life. It comes from resting in the fact that that God has more skin in the game than we have skin. (laughs) He's got more commitment to us living out the way that he's designed us to live than we have. It's to his glory that we live the life that he has designed us to live. It's to his glory that we're filled with his spirit. And in our weakness, display him for who he really is. It's to his glory that he comes and and heals whatever needs to be healed in us to set us free from the prisons that we've lived in so that we can, Isaiah 61, 3, become the oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of God's splendor. I remember living in Alaska years ago, it's now going on 18 years ago. I had some blocks that I used to walk around and pray in the morning. It was really the only way that I could remain coherent (laughs) early in the morning. just was tired, actually. So I'd put the boots on. And I'd begin to walk and and talk to Jesus. And I can remember one time God really strongly impressing on my heart that he was wanting to save me by keeping me in the shadows. Well, that was really frustrating because I didn't want to remain in the shadows. I wanted to do something big and be significant. (laughs) That sounds so ridiculous. I was still living in such a way where, and believing that it really was all on me. That you become valuable, famous, successful by consistently catching what's thrown to you, by by catching the game-winning touchdown pass. And of course, that can become a rat race, right? You're just constantly needing to perform to be okay. You're constantly trying to earn your way. And when God spoke that to me, I was frustrated, like he was holding me down. But now that that 20 years, almost 20 years have passed, I realized that was the greatest gift that he could give me, that that he was going to keep me uh, protected, that, that, that I was going to be in his hand, that I could stand in the shadows of all that he is, let him do what he wants to do in my life, and that I didn't need to perform any longer to be okay, that I just needed to rest and allow him to feel... Fill me with the zeal of the Almighty regarding the very things that he had called me to be about. You see, the more that we live free in our identity, we realize that that identity sets us free from every need to perform. I often say with leaders that, that the healing process doesn't make us help us perform more effectively. It actually sets us free from every need to perform. That's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, as I'm sharing these realities I'm aware that there are many who are listening to this podcast who are probably feeling, thinking right now, God, if that could just be true for me. I'm just so tightly wound around the axle of my performance, and I'm surrounded by people that somehow uh, seem to have the power to determine whether I'm valuable or not. I don't know how to break free. 
I'm going to bring us back to where we began this segment. Your inability and your awareness of inability is a great, great gift. I mean, what else do you have if, if you don't have inability? What are you going to do? Try and, and work harder? <laughs> You're just going to do it again? Hope that tomorrow brings better results than today did? Or for those of you who have climbed the ladder and are at the top, do you have any less of a sense of need? Any less of a sense of a need to perform tomorrow to now validate the high impression that everyone has of you, to to hold on to it, to protect it? When's enough enough? I work with a lot of leaders that have a lot of money, a lot of Christian businessmen who have reached the pinnacle of success, and they all say the same thing. If I'm basing my sense of value on my net worth or what I've accomplished, the need to perform never ends. The need to prove never ends. And there's always someone who has more or has done more to remind us of just how small we are. God wants us to break out of that doom loop and experience life that's based on a value that's finished, an identity that's gifted. Jesus, we need you. What do we have if we don't have you. And Lord, I know that that we've spent many years not liking, feeling, need, and inability. But could it be that awareness of our inability is one of the greatest gifts that you've given us? It gives us the ability to leave our old ways behind and come to you. And so, Lord, that's what we do today. We, If you feel comfortable, just lift, lift your palms up to God. See our need. We just surrender, Lord, to you. Have your way in us. Confirm through your word and through your spirit that our identity is gifted by you, that our value is finished, that we'll never be loved more than we're loved right now. And so, Lord, I'm just asking that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just set every man and woman that's listening to this podcast free to walk in the deep rest that comes from from you being all that matters. And we thank you. We're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.